Welcome to episode two, podcast two of AT with J and T. So this week, um, what we're going to be talking about is assistive technology, of course, but um, also instructional technology, universal design for learning, and really some things that uh, we can try in the classroom. And in a little while, we'll be listening to my talk with uh, Sarah Howarth from University of Maine. Um, who is an expert in the field, and she'll talk us, to us a little bit about um, some technologies that you can use in the classroom that specifically uh, fit, fit within the uh, fit within UDL. So, as always, uh, I'm here, but not here, and I'll explain that in a second with with Jamie. So maybe I'll Jamie to say hi. Hello, hello. And it's a little different than last week because we are not in the same place. I am currently in Indianapolis, Indiana, uh, where it's not as cold right now. I think it's in the single digits outside because it just snowed. Um, but the other night it was minus 45 degrees. So a little bit, a little bit colder, uh, it's with wind chill, but I'm currently at the, um, CEC conference, uh, and, um, conference and convention and expo, the Council for Exceptional Children. And I've been having a great opportunity and chance to network and meet friends and talk to other experts in the field about assistive technology and educational technology. Um, So I think what we'll do is maybe we'll give a little bit of an introduction on um, UDL because that's kind of our topic this week. And I'll throw it over to Jamie, and maybe she can um, get us started with uh, universal design and universal design for learning. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to take us back um, all the way, and we're going to look at this as like a progression of thought, right? So back uh, many, many years ago, we had uh, universal design, and that was essentially a concept, kind of a, a planning model, if you will, that architects brought about because they just wanted to make accessible communities, right? So we started to um, see things like curb cuts, which are not just beneficial for people in wheelchairs or people with physical disabilities, but it's also beneficial to just your everyday person, a mom pushing a stroller, a person pushing a grocery cart up into the store. Um, we see things like automatic doors that are now, we just kind of take for granted they're, they're everywhere, but those help, uh, you know, a mass variety. Was that, um, we started thinking about the, all members of the community and how we can design a community that kind of like was accessible to all types of different people. So, Really awesome thought, and uh, we we kind of take that into education where we have some universal design for learning, and and we will talk about the principles in class, and we'll get more in depth. But essentially, if we're thinking about it as a progression of thought, we're thinking about UDL as a way of designing and implementing instruction and educational experiences that meet the needs of all learners. So you're varying um, the ways in which students are accessing information. You're varying the ways in which students are demonstrating what they've learned. And you're doing it because we've learned that um, learning is very personal. And the way people take information in is is just about as individualized as, as each person themselves. So I read something somewhere where they said that learning was actually like um, different as different as a fingerprint. So everybody kind of learns and takes in information in a different way. So UDL is kind of this progression of thought that we take into the classroom where we start to plan our curriculum and our educational activities 
based on um, being accessible to a wide variety of students, not just focusing on what are we going to do for the kids with disabilities, but rather how can we create something that it doesn't matter whether you're able, whether you have a disability, um, you can reasonably access and add value to those activities or lessons. So that's kind of the progression of thought, if you will. And I think one of the really things, cool things and things that I really enjoy about uh, the UDL in the planning process is and how it different. It really is different than just our tra our traditional differentiating of instruction, where you know sure. in a traditional sense, uh, the instructor will develop their curriculum and instructional plan, and then once that is done, think about the differentiating of how then to provide access to the the students potentially with an IEP. Um, or even struggling learners, where from a UDL perspective, we're building that into the planning phase. Mm -hmm. So we're really doing the the work on the forefront um, versus on the the tail end, where we're so we're able to provide all these different um, uh, learning strategies and access points, including the use of technology built into the lesson. So it's you know from from the teacher perspective, um, in my mind, things have a potential to run more smoothly and you're actually yeah. you're really making sure that all your students are accessing um the curriculum and, and really using the, the 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 learning as a as a tool so um so i guess uh, jamie then do you want to talk a little bit about the different technologies and the differences maybe between at and it and how that really fits into udl Absolutely. So um, I want to, I kind of want to start like with technology. It is difficult. And I know that some of my students, um, and even I did as a young uh, researcher, like trying to figure out, well, what really is the difference between instructional technology and assistive technology? And then how does that all apply to UDL? And what I've come to understand as a foundation is just that technology in general kind of is a catalyst to provide um, a lot of access, right? So when we're looking at technology, we can um, maneuver uh, or uh, add features or customize or modify the technology to really meet the needs of individuals. So if we're just thinking of technology as the foundation or the catalyst for um, kind of increasing access, then it's pretty easy to kind of jump in and discern between instructional um, technology, assistive technology, and UDL. So um, instructional technology, when we're talking about instructional technology, we're talking about any technology that's used in the classroom for teaching or learning, right? Um, and then when we get into assistive technology, we narrow that um, by uh, really focusing on the functional capabilities of a student, like giving them a piece of technology to enhance their function or their access to the curriculum or their function in classroom activities. So the difference, um, and I have an example I can share with just a second, uh, is not the the device. The difference is how it's used in some cases, right? So you can have an iPad in a classroom and it's instructional technology when you when the class uses it to like let's say read a digital story and then digitally compose a summary versus like maybe they're typing it or using an app or something to that effect. If the whole class is working on it, it's kind of instructional technology. If you take that concept of the iPad and you have a student in your classroom with a reading disability uh, it becomes an assistive technology when you use that iPad, uh, certain features of that iPad or an, an app in that iPad to help that student 
like um, accommodate for that disability. So for example, if the purpose of the lesson is to take in the information from the story and then you know summarize that information a student with a reading disability is going to get lost in the decoding right but we can provide him an assistive technology something to enhance his reading function by allowing the ipad or allowing the student to use some of the features of the ipad that will actually read the text to him so we've taken away that like um, difficulty of reading and decoding, we've given the information to the student in a, in a manner that they can more readily accept into um, their brain. Um, and then we're allowing that student to kind of compose their summary in a different way. Though he didn't actually read the text, the text was read to him and he took in the information. So that's kind of an example of assistive technology. But the iPad kind of also lends itself to, to kind of uh, be an example for universal design, right? So let's say we have a student with a reading disability and he's using either speech to text or text to speech to um, make sure that he can still access the curriculum and still... Uh, complete his work in just a different way. Well, we have the same features are available to everybody on an iPad. So if you own an iPad, you can reasonably take any text, highlight it, hit speak select, and now it's being read to you. And though you may not have the disability or the deficit, um, you can still access those features. I know that for me, it's very universally designed because I'm able to download articles and I prefer to kind of take in information auditorily. So I like to, um, before I'll go read an article now, I tend to listen to it because I have that access. It's universally designed in the iPad that I can reasonably go and listen to it because I know that I take information in better auditorily than I do through reading. So mm -hmm. that's kind of an example of how one device can kind of transcend, transcend that progression between IT, AT, and UDL. And it's really exciting because technology is only enhancing. So I can't imagine what um, design features will be out there in the next even five years. Yeah. I think what's, what's, what's really neat is that there's, you know, this, I don't want to say blurred line, but this connectiveness between AT and IT. So yeah. the same device can be used and switched back and forth depending on the need and how, and how it should be used um, within the framework. So I think that's a really, really interesting point. Something that I think is really cool. Um, thanks. Yeah. So I think um, maybe right now is a good place then to switch it over to a conversation that I had with uh, Sarah Howarth of University of Maine. And she's, I was able to talk a little bit about some of the um, applications and uh, softwares that can have it and more specifically fit with into the different parts of, um, of UDL. So I think what, um, what we'll do now is listen to my conversation with Sarah, where I was uh, sitting with her at, in the uh, main convention hall, um, just talking. And as, as it usually is, we were just talking and we started talking about uh, these topics. And like, like always, I, said, I had to stop and say, oh, I need to record this. So I recorded this and um, this is my conversation with Sarah. Awesome. I'm excited to hear it. Okay, so we are now at CEC Council for Exceptional Children sitting here at the ISET booth, which stands for Innovations in Special Education and Technology. And I'm sitting here with Sarah Howarth, who is the president-elect of ISET, but also she's going to be our current weekly 
expert in the field talking to us about technology and UDL and anything else that comes our way in conversation. So, uh, Sarah, do you want to introduce yourself a little bit? Sure. I'm, I'm Sarah Howarth. I'm an assistant professor at the University of Maine, um, and I like teaching with technology. <laughs> So, Sarah, I know yesterday you gave a talk and a little bit of demonstration on different apps and technologies and UDL, and maybe you'd be able to give us a little bit of a rundown on what you talked about? Sure. Like a Reader's Digest version of the presentation? Yeah, let's do it. So, all right, so first when you're choosing what you're going to use as a tech tool, you have to start with your instructional goals and objectives, as always. So you can't, as many teachers do, but you should not just use tech for the sake of using tech because it's fun and it's nifty. So you shouldn't pick up like a technology tool and say, how can I use this in my classroom? You should think, what do you want to do in your classroom and think of a tool that will help that. So with that in mind, we talked about the three different um, frameworks for the University of Design for Learning, um, student engagement, student expression of learning, and um, representation of the content that you're teaching, basically, those three different areas. So we talked about a lot of tools that you can use in each of the areas. Um, do you want to just start with each of the areas? Sure. Okay. So if you're going... So a lot of teachers start to think about what information they want to convey to their students or what knowledge they want to you know, impart to them. So for content representation, some of the tools that we talked about were um, VoiceThread, um, which is a video, it's kind of like a video blog type thing where you could upload PDFs or insert video comments on a, a joint document. So you as a teacher could upload either a text or a picture or a map or uh-huh. some some sort of image mm-hmm. um, that you would like your students to interact with. And you can also uh, add video commentary onto that document with VoiceThread mm-hmm. and also audio commentary. Uh-huh. So you can annotate it with video and audio. And then your students can also jump in kind of like on Facebook um, and add comments to the same document. Mm-hmm. So it becomes this like crowdsourcing you know, yeah. annotation of the cool. document. That was the one. And then um, <laughs> for student engagement, another one that we talked about was Powtoon. Yeah. Are you familiar with Powtoon? Powtoon's great. Yeah, that was the, f- the favorite in the presentation yesterday, and it's where you make little comics, um, uh-huh. but every you don't have to be... Um, really tech savvy to do it because there's already preset characters that you put in and images and sounds and you basically just type what you want the characters to say mm-hmm. kind of like a puppet show but we talked about how you could use that and students co- collaborate on possibly doing like a book report uh-huh. using a cartoon as opposed to writing for uh-huh. students that are challenged with writing or just yeah. don't want to write you uh-huh. know um so that was the favorite for engagement. And then my favorite for um, student expression of what they've learned is all of the different augmented reality tools, specifically uh-huh. HP Reveal. Yeah. And HP Reveal is a little hard to explain verbally. You, uh-huh. It's something that maybe you can share with your class like, yeah, as, a, as a video uh-huh. to demonstrate it. Yep. But you basically create a, a trigger, uh-huh. which could be something as simple as a an index card or the cover of like a book in the library Uh and so 
a librarian, for example, could take a picture of the cover of a book in the library and video record a student talking about that right. book, you know? Like, I like this book because, you know, I like trains. And if you like trains, you might like it too. Right. And then another student can scan the cover of that book with their device or uh-huh. an iPad, and those videos will come up, like little commercials. So, so, uh, so in a, I guess, in a way to think about similar to how a QR code works. Yes, exactly. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, you can use that, and the students can create their videos themselves. Um, uh-huh. You you could use it um, for communication with parents. Uh-huh. You know, even if you were to send like a note home, uh-huh. a little trigger for them to scan, and you say something wonderful about their child. You know, uh-huh. um, but those are just a few of the tools that we talked about uh-huh. um, for content representation, student engagement, and expression of what yeah. they've learned. Yeah, product creation. Um, but any of those tools can be used in all of the UDL categories. Right. Just depending on, like I uh-huh. said at the beginning, your instructional goals. Right. So cool. that's it in a nutshell. That sounds great. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> no problem. So I guess um, trying to think if there's anything else that you talked about that just is sparking my brain. Oh, there was, a, there was one thing I was going to say yeah. a few minutes ago, and you said we should record this. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> in our local middle school, right. one of our local middle schools in Maine, uh-huh. um, there are many teachers who, students have one-to-one MacBooks. Right. MacBook Pros. Mm-hmm. And one science teacher, many of the teachers that I've talked to are trying to come to terms with how to best use these tools in yeah, their classroom. Yeah, and that's an ongoing challenge is you know, whether it's an iPad, a Chromebook, or a laptop, and teachers knowing what to do and how what to, to use them, it. right? Yeah. yeah, so there are some teachers that are using it like they would a traditional textbook, uh-huh. you know? So when they're talking in class, they have their students open their their laptops and take notes in Word or mm-hmm. take notes in Google Docs. Right. And um, we'll have them read the e-text uh-huh. and take notes on Google Docs, you know, right. just like you would have somebody read a textbook and write on paper. Right. And then there are others who are using it for more uh, creative collaboration, like the stuff we just talked about right. earlier. Mm-hmm. But there is a growing concern because with, with their um, Google Classroom suite that they use, uh-huh. they have this sort of back channel as a teacher that they could see all of the laptops in the classroom at the same time. <laughs> so if they notice that you know Johnny or Susie is texting each other using uh-huh. iMessage back and forth, they have three options. They could freeze their screen. Right. They could send them a private text. Hey, hi, I right. need you to look up here. Uh-huh. You know, stop texting. Or they could just shut their computer down remotely. Right. So uh, what's happening now is those many teachers who are uncomfortable with the use of technology uh-huh. they, that have their classroom management you know, down right. are being intimidated by this, and they're almost over-policing it. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's many um, issues with like students in study hall who are working they might be looking at something on YouTube about their class and the teachers are like shutting down their laptops because it's uh-huh. like you're on YouTube you shouldn't be on YouTube right. and without alive, having like alive, the face to face conversation uh-huh. like go, go up to your desk right. and say hey why are you looking at this right. so it's becoming a little bit of attention uh-huh. and that's something new that I've noticed that I think will be a challenge, like just the classroom management of right. the use of technology. I because students want to use it, so right. they're going faster 
then like the teachers can keep up yeah, with. Yeah, and there's this concept of well, we have to police them rather right. than how do we help scaffold this right. and let them use it in a way that's creative for their learning rather than like always just slapping their hands. Well, I think in what we were talking about before we hit record, and then realize that I probably should start recording is um, this challenge where we're starting we, we do okay. see a lot of teachers we'll that are stuff up and um, I'm just glad I finally could this hesitant this to use technology program. probably for a lot of the same reasons where we'll they're see, uh, they're scared of it or not knowing how to use it appropriately or right and they don't want to look foolish right nobody likes to admit that they're unsure of something they want to be professional right and it's okay sometimes just to talk to your colleagues and say how are you handling this like this is new for me. Yeah. You know? So what do you think, you know, a teacher, maybe a teacher that is not in six, you know, in my, in my class in 664, um, if they've been teaching in the classroom for a number of years or even as a, a new teacher, what would maybe be some recommendations on how to uh, get more comfortable with the technology and maybe where to go? Well, I think it's really important in um, college classrooms and in teacher prep classrooms just to let students play and and try stuff out. And I think it's the same in school districts, too. Like, teachers have to be allowed time to explore the tools that they're meant to use in their class. And sometimes it's hard to squeeze that in. Yeah. It's always the challenge, time, right? But I think it's something that's important. I don't think technology is going anywhere. It's just going to be, I don't want to say getting faster, but more advanced. Right. And so I think absolutely time and training is is the key. Right. All right. Well, thanks, Sarah. No problem. This is great. And well, I'm sure we'll be calling on you again later in the semester. No problem at all. All right. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. So uh, welcome back. So um, we heard some great um, technologies, how they can be used, how they can be used in the the K-12 classroom and how those um, fit within UDL. And something that we didn't talk about yet was maybe how this also even fits into um, the IEP. And um, we don't need to talk too, too much about it, but I think um, it's really important that as um, parents and, and teachers think about um, the, the technologies and what's working in the, in the classroom from an overall perspective if, to make sure that the advocacy is there on, in the IEP. Um, and it's really thinking about that from a UDL perspective. I don't know, Jamie, if you wanted to contribute to that, that at all, but I think that's often the, just in my experience of, um, in, in IEP meetings, I think that's often a missing link. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny, we talked a little bit about this in my class because um, it, it's, it's well stated in IDEIA. So we, we know that we're supposed to be considering assistive technology um, each time we sit down and talk about a student at an IEP. And uh, I think sometimes we kind of think about assistive technology in terms of our most severe, um, you know, impairments. So like communication, uh, but we don't always, um, or maybe physical disabilities, but we don't always like open up the dialogue in these meetings to say, you know, this student's struggling with reading and there just might be something out there where we can kind of take that stress off and really enhance his education by focusing on the content that he's learning and not on the way he's not able to take the information. And so um, I've just like, you know, kind of given my students like the mission, like here, you know that you need to be discussing it. Here it is in the law. Go forth and advocate and have these discussions. Even if you come to say like, hey, you know, I don't think this student needs any technology. Um, at least have those conversations because there's so much out there that would help people 
students with disabilities. And, and a lot of the things that are out there that could help a student are things that we're using in society. You know, yeah. we're, we're going on our phones, we're having things read to us, we're dictating um, notes and information. So those things are readily available in society. And I do think we need to start really jumping in in those IEP meetings and making those things um, accessible to our students. Yeah, and I think what's, what's, what's interesting for me is a lot of the technologies that we're thinking about are in the classroom anyways, right? So mm-hmm. most classrooms have iPads or Chromebooks or even desktop computers. And so it's just how, how we're using them, whether it's to support specifically uh, a student that um, needs assistive technology uh, as part of their IEP or just um, the classroom in general for student learning. So I think uh, it's a pro- probably a future conversation to look about, think about assistive technology and IEPs, but I, I really thought it was important to kind of blend that together and yeah. see how it all fits in together within the classroom. Absolutely. So on that note, I think we're at time. And uh, thanks, Jamie. I'm looking Thank forward to you. sitting around in your office or my office and, and, uh, and talking some more. I don't remember off the top of my head what we're talking about next week, but I'm sure it'll be fun. So. Uh, yep. I, yeah. And don't freeze. Get on back here where it's Yeah, warm. I know. Quite tomorrow. And I'm excited to come back to warmer California. Yeah, we're excited to have you back. All right. Well, thanks, Jamie. And I'll see you on Monday. All right. Sounds good. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.